On today's episode of Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Kelsey Larrick. Really interesting conversation. And to be honest, I was just trying to get some good consulting out of this call. And I think you guys are really going to like this one. Kelsey is doing something very similar to what I'm doing in the e-commerce space right now and rolling up a lot of incredible brands that he feels like he can grow him and his team. And they are completely vertically integrated in doing this. And uh, yeah, so if any of you have ever thought and wondered, why in the world are you doing acquisitions right now? And why are you buying up um, these brands? Uh, Kelsey really explains why to do it much better than I can. So I think you guys will really like this one. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. I have, I assume, I didn't even ask if you were in America, but uh, I'm just going to assume an American counterpart and we have got a lot to talk about. Kelsey, I did not get the pronunciation on your last name. So I'm going to try it first. Good luck. Larrick. Yes, you got it. Yes. Well done. It. <laughs> All right. So I have <laughs> Kelsey, I was just about to say Casey. Uh, Kelsey Larrick, for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Why the heck you're on Secrets of Scaling? For sure. I'm a co-founder of and serve as the CEO for 365 Holdings. We're a Northeast Ohio-based holding company for e-commerce brands. So my business partner, Justin, and I started the company four years ago when we acquired our first e-commerce business. And it's been kind of rapid scale since then. So today we are fully vertically integrated. We operate our own warehouse for pick, pack, and ship, our own customer service team for call center and support tickets, and every other critical business function is in-house. We do some production and manufacturing on-site. All of our supply chain, marketing team, advertising, graphic design, videography, uh, all under one roof here in Northeast Ohio. And we employ about 75 across all the brands working on those businesses every day. So you guys see why I had Kelsey on, of course, because I'm going to get half an hour to 40 minutes of free consulting from him on how I can vertically integrate even better uh, with our businesses. So uh, let's just get at it. Okay. (laughs) I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay, so four years ago, you decided, hey, we're going to start this holding company for e-com brands. Did you have experience there before? Like, or what? where did you come from? Uh, so if you go to my website and you see some of the stuff we're writing about, uh, it is far more polished and professional and thought out today than it was four years ago. If I go back just a little farther, my business partner and I have been together for about a decade. Uh, his name's Justin, and he's always been kind of the ops guy, and I've always been kind of the marketing and strategy guy. And so for years, we had small businesses. We would take satellite dishes off of people's houses. We'd install time clocks for cities and counties. We sold payment processing, all kinds of stuff. We made enough money one day to, to qualify for an SBA loan to buy a business. And I was like, hey, this internet thing sounds you know, pretty good selling stuff to people on the internet. That, that's going to be a big one day. A little tongue in cheek there, but we acquired an e-commerce business just by happenstance. We looked at all kinds of businesses, service, SaaS, e-com, 
And we found yeah. a great asset and it, it kind of set us up for where we are today. I think 90 days after we bought that first business, we drained the checking account and maxed the line of credit and bought our second one. And it's just been kind of a wild ride since then of like really, really fast growth, surrounding ourselves with really, really high quality people and having kind of an aggressive kind of borrowing and growth stance of just trying to keep the pedal pressed as hard as we can to grow. And we tend to buy one or two brands a year. And now fast forward four years later, our thesis is much more refined for what we're trying to build, kind of the team culture, businesses we think are good assets for us to own, and the real long-term vision for 365. Are these kind of five-year plays or what's the plan with them? Are these build, grow, so, exit, scale? Yeah, six <laughs> exit to 12 months end, ago. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so six to 12 months ago, I, I probably didn't have an answer to that question. I would tell you, hey, we're too busy buying. I haven't really thought about it. Now that I've had time to really absorb our strategy, we've really settled on kind of the permanent capital, uh, or as we, we call it, durable capital model. So we're buying with the express intention of holding. That might be measured in decades instead of years. I think it's hard to find high quality businesses. Transaction costs are relatively high. You got to relocate. There's a lot to do. And if we're building a portfolio of really great businesses, um, I kind of want to hold on to them. So will we sell one from time to time? Yeah, if it makes sense, of course. But our stated purpose is to buy and hold for a very, very long time and build a lasting business in 365. So our, our team and the careers that we offer is a potentially lifelong career somebody could have enjoying working in e-commerce in Ohio, regardless of how many brands we own and what changes in that brand mix through the years. Absolutely. Do you think you're a good boss to work for? Do I think I'm a good boss to work for? So we use EOS or Traction as our, our operating model for the business. Uh, awesome. I guess That's that two, two podcast or... guests in a row that okay. have talked about EOS. It's very common. I, I don't think there are a lot of people that are guys like you and me running uh, an eight-figure plus business, a team of, of a dozen or more. Like Most people like us have at least heard of EOS, and I think most people are, are, are using it. But I get to sit in that CEO or, or visionary role, and my business partner, Justin, sits in kind of the operator, uh, integrator, or president role. Uh, and so I think he's a great boss to work for. Uh, I don't know whether or not I am, but I'm not even on the org chart anymore, which is a lot of fun. I spend my time worrying about kind of the long-term future of the business, and he really runs kind of daily accountability, making sure we're hitting our budget for the PL, hiring, firing. Do I want to stay close to all of those activities and have a pulse on the business? Absolutely. But yeah. today, like today's my work from home day. Everybody else is back at the office. You're doing things like this, having conversations with you, trying to grow our brand. And he's there working with the team. So I think he's a, a great person to work for. And I hope I am too. Oh, that's great. That's great. I don't think I've ever asked somebody that question before. I just, I feel a connection with you and I'm like, ah, I just want to ask. And so similarly, I'm here for gotta, it, man. whatever you got, put me to the firing squad. Let's go. Yeah, totally. I was just going to tell, tell a funny story that re related to that, that happened to me yesterday. I went into our, we're, we're not as integrated nearly as you. We've got multiple sites and uh, I went into our uh, clothing brand that my wife runs and there was a couple of new employees in there and like they, I'd never met them. They'd never met me. Yeah. It's like, oh, so, sorry, who? Kind, of, kind of awkward. Yeah. She's like, oh, so what do you do around here? I'm like, well, I, nothing. I sweep, but... I sweep the floors at night. Don't worry about it. <laughs> kind of nothing and everything at the same time, you know? Like, yeah, it's interesting to be in that true CEO role, right? Where you're like, you, you don't actually really do a lot right? It's just a lot. I had a real like identity crisis when we crossed the bridge from me having to have daily responsibilities functionally, running a meeting, 
updating tasks in Asana, producing reports and kind of that transition of in the business to on the business for me has really accelerated in the last 12 months. COVID had some unique impacts on that transition. And I'm now currently giving away my last functional role in the org. Up next is, is Justin. We want him to also make that same transition. But I really struggled feeling like I wasn't making the kind of contribution that I was used to making. We have an executive coach that really helped me kind of mentally process that as a business leader of it's okay. This is my new job now to work on the business and to not necessarily be at my desk during these hours. I'm working right now on this podcast with you, even though I'm not actually, quote unquote, working the way I used to when I was in an ads account or setting up a product page or whatever. Hmm, interesting. Let's talk about that executive coach. At what yeah. level did you bring in a coach of that kind of level? Uh, so myself and, and Justin, we've always had exposure to coaches and consultants, and we've had kind of various relationships over the years. I want to say it was two years ago that we really kind of went looking for a solution. We had gone to big events. We had heard you know, various masterminds we could join in around e-com and digital marketing. And we were just kind of generally searching for the right solution. It always sounds like a lot of money when you go and you get a, a quote of, hey, we're going to meet once a month, and it's two grand a month and three grand a month or some number, and you're doing the math in your head like, hey, if I just took that home and said I gave it to this guy. Like what would happen to my financial situation? Can I afford this? And the general answer I, I think is that most people wait too long. I think we could have benefited from it sooner. And getting a high value coach that you believe in, really focused on leadership and development. I don't know, five, six, seven employees, a million or two okay. in revenue. Like that's pretty early. Um, yeah, for what you're going to invest, I truly believe it's very high ROI. This year, we're going to start having the coach we have is the CEO of his firm, and we're going to engage on a firm wide basis. We're our leadership team now. We have five VPs in the org. They're all now going to go through an individual coaching process as well as us at the executive level also being coached by this team. Oh, that's super cool. When when you're looking for a coach uh, and when you were looking for it, did you end up going niche specific or did you more so just go general general leadership? The latter. The individual we're working with is somebody that Justin had a relationship with for many years. We honestly interviewed around locally. I don't think we wanted a, an industry guru, nothing wrong with that, but we didn't want uh, an e-com guy or a Facebook ads guy. Yeah. And I'm not passing judgment. There's probably some great ones out there. We just, we really wanted a fundamental leadership development, business development, entrepreneurial coach. And that's kind of what we found locally with Rick. Cool. That's, that's great to hear. Cause I, I know a lot of people I've talked a lot about, you know, how coaching is just such a high leverage activity, like finding a good, oh, for sure. that $2,000 that you pay a month is you, you could get exponential returns on that. Right. With, I, and I believe that we yes. do. I totally believe that we do. And there's some great organizations out there. Like, frankly, I don't know that I've, I've spent any money with them other than buying a book or two, but like Alex Sharfin, the Sharfin organization down in Texas, like I've heard him speak. I've listened to their podcast. I've read a lot of stuff they put out. Like, there's plenty of really, really great high-level big organizations. For us, we find a local contact that kind of fit us. But honestly, if you're considering it as an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, just go start talking to people, carve out some time and like your personal development of like budget and time and go find what's right for you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually in the, the phase right now of, of searching for another coach because uh, the coach that I had, I have now hired. That's, good <laughs> problem to have. That's a great problem to have. I love it. Yeah. So I ended up hiring my coach uh, into our organization. So uh, now I am, I am on the hunt right now. So I'm actually lots of times on this podcast, I'll ask questions just to help myself out because I understand it's selfish. Yes. It's a hundred percent selfish, but it's selfish for a good reason, because I know that generally if I'm having that problem at the sort of level that I'm at, that a lot of our listeners are probably having similar um, problems and issues. Sure. I've got another question for you here. When you went and bought that first brand. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, especially if they listen to this podcast for a while, they'll know like 
I'm, I'm obsessed with acquisitions. I think it's just the best way to grow, right? There are people that do not like the, the two that we're doing right now. They it's, they're not money deals. They're not, they're not deals just because they want to exit and get out. They feel like they've, you know, one of them, you know, they've uh, just taken on way too much in their other businesses. So they just want to get rid of that one. The other one is they feel like they've hit their limit. There are lots of reasons besides money that people are selling businesses out there. When you guys looked at your first acquisition, what were you looking for exactly? Uh, we were looking for, uh, <laughs> at the time, we were looking for a good deal. We wanted to have a business that we thought we could operate, that we knew that there would be plenty of cash flow to cover the debt service and allow us to pay for our, our lifestyles and our families. Uh, we wanted a good place to start with our first acquisition. My criteria now, four years later, with many acquisitions, some that have flopped, some that have gone quite well, a few divestitures where we sold off some things like four years has gone by and, and my lens for reviewing deals has changed a lot. At first, we really wanted something for our own risk tolerance where we knew if all hell broke loose, we could run the business. That was what was important to us at the time as, as entrepreneurs and operators that wanted to be in the business, highly levered, uh, get a good deal on a, a growing business. We wanted to make sure that we could operate it. And we were comfortable with that. That was our biggest filter was a quality business at the right price that we could run. So were you looking like mainly at profit at that time or a, or scalability or what, what were those things you were looking for back? Back then, honestly, I wanted to know that the purchase price multiple wasn't so high. I wanted a, a bargain at the time. That's, yeah. that's certainly changed now. And what do you consider I, a bargain or what did you consider a bargain back then? Back as then we, we paid... Two X Two, okay. on uh, yeah. seller's discretionary earnings, which is pr pretty low. And we certainly learned some things Like there's a reason why that business traded at that price and it didn't trade for a higher price. We, we took on some risks in that business model, which is fine. We're, we're comfortable with them. But it was probably the a right price for that business, maybe a, li a little low. Can you explain, um, sorry to step in there. Can you just explain yeah. for our audience what SDE is? Uh, for sure. So let's say just to put some really simple math to it. If you've got a, a business that does a million dollars a year, and after you pay for your advertising, you pay for your product, your team, your expenses, you as the entrepreneur take home $100,000 between net income, any salary you pay yourself, maybe you run your car or your cell phone through the business, to you, it's worth 100K. Now, you might have blown 50K on a marketing thing that didn't work. That doesn't matter. We don't, we don't add that back. It's your actual take-home discretionary cash flow in the business. And so when we say 2X or 3X, your million-dollar business with 100 of cash flow at a 2X multiple is worth $200,000 or to 3X is worth $300,000. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I know that uh, that was very confusing for me yeah. when I first started learning that. I'm like, well, what's the difference between SDE and EBITDA and like all these? Yep. Different brokers will have different explanations and will always work in their client's best interest to stretch those numbers as, as aggressively as they can because they're working for their client. When you're just getting started on small acquisitions, SDE is a good kind of North Star. Yeah. And anybody that wants to start their first acquisitions, find somebody who's done it, read a bunch, kind of get your arms really wrapped around and get comfortable with your own measurement of that number uh, for yourself. Totally. Uh, the way that we'll that we'll actually do it sometimes too is we'll we'll look at what we have to replace uh, from what the owners are actually doing, and we'll actually minus that off of SDE when we're making our when we're figuring out. Yeah, our for sure. Just because it's like, well, hey, we're going to have to put another 100000 into salaries here and here. So we're going to take that SDE number down. That's what we're basing this off of. I mean, in the end, it really yeah. comes down to what they're willing to take for the business. But at least you have a justification for it. A willing buyer and a willing seller is the right price for everything. Yes. 
Absolutely. And terms, terms. Correct. Yeah. You, you, your price, my terms. We, we like doing that too. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's exactly what we've done with our deals too, right? It's like, Hey, I, I don't really care if we're talking three or four multiple, but the higher we go, the more you're taking on. So in your, yep. in your vendor take back or whatever you guys call it. Okay. So we talked about, you know, four years ago, do you have like a checklist now of things that you're looking I do. for? Ah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Actually, didn't actually a, know uh, that people. <laughs> you didn't. It's actually. Uh, I used to have it pinned on my uh, on my Twitter, my my top tweet. I don't know that it was that impressive of a tweet, but it was like helpful for me. And I've since spoken a lot of, a lot about this. But we've got kind of a seven point uh, investment thesis, and it's the right answer for us. It does not mean that somebody else needs the same one. But let me just rattle through the seven things real quick that for us need to be uh, a yes. Okay. So one ver- vertical integration, we have set up a business around owning all of our costs of doing business. If we can't vertically integrate major components of it, it's a no. We want to be able to bring this in house. Uh, two e-commerce brand as we define it. So we want to see that there's identifiable customer avatars or we can do modern like problem solution video marketing on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Uh, media company strategy, we want to be able to build media assets around the brand, podcast, YouTube show, blogging, uh, having some real content marketing around it. Yeah. Direct response advertising, we need to be able to do uh, modern direct response performance marketing. So we want things that can convert on uh, cold traffic. Retention revenue, we want to be able to have uh, repeat purchases and not kind of one and done, flash in the pan, kind of acquire new customers all the time. And the last two is economic moat. So we want a really good kind of durable competitive advantage over our competitors. How can we build protection around our business through uh, the way we operate and the way we compete in the marketplace. So things like brand reputation, strong review count, long length in business are all kind of evidence of a good moat. And then lastly, we need to own revenue generation and product development. So we've got a marketing team. We need to be comfortable with the sales and marketing processes. We also need to get comfortable with product development. So it's kind of a, a roll-up strategy as a holding company. We're going to go buy businesses where we're not experts at all in the product thing that we're sourcing. We've learned a lot about sourcing from diapers to freeze-dried food to fermentation cultures over the years. But every time we buy a new business, I'm looking at one that's in the personal care space. We now get to learn everything about product development in that space. So I need to be able to say yes to these seven points for it to be a good investment for us. That is great. That is absolutely great. We're going to make sure to put those seven steps in uh, the show notes, just because I think that that's incredibly, incredibly valuable for people looking for acquisitions. How much, you know, if you're looking at your first acquisition, how much money do you need? Good question. It kind of depends on your strategy and your goals. I think that sometimes in uh, the world of podcasts and giving advice and entrepreneurship and stuff, it's very easy to like want to prescribe the, the seven step checklist or the, the blueprint. Absolutely. There's certainly a couple of them that are a good idea, but really I challenge people to like really think through for themselves what their goals and aspirations are, what's important to them. If you want to own and operate your business, if you've decided that through your own self-awareness, that's a really good decision for you. You want to be an acquisition entrepreneur and you're comfortable with, with risk and you're a US citizen. So sorry for our Canadian friends. An SBA loan is the best way to do it. You can buy a business for 10%, sometimes even 5% down if you structure the deal correctly. We've done that in the past. And so if you want to go buy a million dollar business, you need 50 to $100,000 and a good credit score and some experience in the market. That's Sounds like a lot of money, but if you put through a spreadsheet, the growth of that business, uh, how you're going to pay down the debt, the money you're going to earn while you own it, uh, it can be a life-changing 
amount of money that you buy that business for and then sell it for later by saving up that 50 to 100K to go invest in your first acquisition. That's a really great answer. I, I really, I, I really love that. Now, do you need to be a shareholder in that corporation? Is that that's purchasing the assets or are you personally taking on that liability of that uh, with the SBA loan? So an SBA loan, you're going to presumably create a corp LLC or corporation wherever you live in the US, but the docs you're going to sign with the bank are going to say that you are personally guaranteeing the loan balance. Uh, there's been, funny enough, recently on, on Twitter, some debates around kind of personal guarantees and, and whatnot. Uh, I am firmly in the camp of if you want to be an entrepreneur, you better darn well be comfortable signing on the dotted yeah, line. Absolutely. If you're kind of second guessing yourself on that, honestly, it probably isn't for you. You may not have the risk tolerance. Every day we got to worry about making payroll. When things go wrong, the buck stops with you. Like you've got to be very, very comfortable assuming all that risk. And for small businesses, yeah, you're going to be the one signing that note that says, hey, if it all goes wrong, I'm accountable for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I cannot believe that we've already been talking this long. I got to ask you the question I ask everybody. We'll, we'll do we'll do a part two when you're ready. Give, give us some time and we'll, uh, we'll reconvene. Totally. What, what we can do is we can, we can do like uh, some acquisition comparisons where we went right and where we went wrong. <laughs> I've got some fun stuff coming down the pike too with our capital partners program. We just launched our entrepreneur in residence role. We'll soon be launching an operating partner role that might be uh, fun stuff to talk about here in the future. I want to actually ask you about that before I go into to the last question. Are you guys, as you're growing, are you guys yeah. trying to basically just take on as much debt as possible? Or are you guys actually raising funds? So today the Hold Co. is wholly owned by myself and my business partner. And we've used debt financing to grow it and we'll continue to do so. So if you work for 365 Holdings, you're on the 365 Holdings team and you have two owners that, that you have a relationship with and there's no outside person we're accountable to. And that's kind of important to us with our relationship with our team members and the vision for a long-term ownership of the business. I will begin later this year, two programs. One is our entrepreneur in residence program and the other is our operating partner program where outside of 365 Holdings, separate from our stated vision to own these direct-to-consumer brands for a long time, we will begin doing other things. We'll sponsor somebody to go buy an e-com business with the state yeah. of intent of buy, grow, sell in three years to have an entrepreneurial event in their life. So we'll begin doing those other things here shortly. We'll be sponsoring those transactions and allowing others to co-invest or apply to be an operator of one of those businesses. Today, we're a shared services business. Everybody works at the holding company. We're all on one payroll and there's no outside investors. So we can do what's right for our team every day. Was that like a, a core value sort of thing that you just did not want to, to have, yeah, have to answer? To for people? sure. So back to the coaching topic earlier, one, figuring out our values was very important in our relationship and with our coach and kind of building the team out and the vision for the company. And the other was just kind of the overall business strategy of permanent hold and shared services and all those, those types of things. So out of our four core values, two of them really relate to people. Uh, so EQ over IQ is incredibly important mm -hmm. to us, the, the self-awareness and the emotional intelligence that our team has. Two is team and culture first. So us making decisions about our team and our culture being at the forefront of our, our minds. And then our other two values are really more about the tenacity of the entrepreneurs that run the place, myself and Justin. So uh, winners keep score and relentless execution. We want high achievers. Yeah, you need to have a lot of EQ, but we want a, a high IQ person too who can go and crush their goals every day. And so those four core values uh, really kind of line up our way that we manage the team and the way we attract uh, and retain talent that really fits in and enjoys coming to work every day and running these businesses. Mm, that's great. That is a great answer. It's funny when I ask this question after like 200 interviews, because I'm like, I've already got the answer. I've already heard it. I've asked you all the questions, but what is your secret to scaling? Buying more brands. We love growth through acquisition. Uh, we do all the usual stuff, right? We run Facebook ads. We run Google search and shopping. We've got a guy that handles our marketplaces for Amazon and Jet and Walmart. Like 
we try to be a best practices executor. There's probably, frankly, some people like, like your agency, they could probably find something that you guys could do better than us somewhere. We want to do all that stuff really, really well. And then we want to grow horizontally through brand acquisitions and keep adding that value to our balance sheet. Awesome. Awesome. That's a great answer. Well, we're going to move on to our uh, lightning round. Let's go. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Oh man. Um, so I just became one of those people that uh, pays 30 bucks a month for Superhuman and the place that I send everybody for, for email. So Superhuman sits on top of your Gmail or G Suite accounts and makes it feel lightning fast and super automated and makes you kind of a keyboard power user of Gmail accounts inside of the Superhuman interface. Oh, Cool. Superhuman. Okay, nice. I'm going to look that up right after this. That's great. Well, when you get on the waiting list, uh, shoot me an email and I'll send you a referral invite to skip the line because they're also good growth hackers over there and they make you do that kind of thing in order to be allowed to, uh, to buy the product. Nice, nice, nice. I love, I love gating things. I think it's great. <laughs> um, me too. Uh, second question, favorite podcast or audiobook you're listening to right now? So I've gotten really deep into kind of the Twitter community around small business. And there's a handful of kind of really common podcasts around kind of the small business community and, and Twitter specifically. So Alex Bridgman's Think Like an Owner, uh, The Fort with uh, Chris Powers from uh, Fort Capital and Circle of Competence with Benton, Benton Moss. So if you've been in the small business corner of Twitter and seen people talking, those tend to be the kind of common podcasts. People like you and me, frankly, talking about everything from trucking businesses to e-commerce to SaaS to Amazon FBA rollups, to buy in you know, self-storage properties. And those couple of podcasts have really kind of cornered the market on great interviews with small business operators. They're at the forefront of what's happening in the world today. Cool, cool, that's great. Uh, we'll make sure to put all those in the show notes as well. Last question for you. Uh, if you could sit down with anybody who's alive right now, uh, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, who would it be? Ray Dalio. Oh, and I'd like to just know why. Yeah, for sure. He put out a video a couple of years ago called The Economic Machine, and you might like or not like some of his economic theories. He's obviously highly successful as an investor. Uh, and I don't know that I, I believe every last word he says as gospel, but I think his critical thinking on investments, on the economy, on long-term debt cycles, the way the lens through which he views the world, the way they problem solve and debate things internally at Bridgewater, his investment firm, and how they built a true meritocracy for the truth of information. Uh, just some absolutely fascinating things. I feel like anytime I read his work or watch the content they put out, I have something to learn. And I think he's just a, a brilliant uh, entrepreneur and analyst. Hmm. Awesome. Great answer. Where can people uh, find out uh, more about you and connect with you? For sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm probably more active on, on Twitter. It's just at Kelsey Larrick. And then uh, at 365 Holdings, we maintain a newsletter that goes out very sporadically. It's when I launch things like our Entrepreneur in Residence program, or when we syndicate a deal to, to co-invest, we'll announce it there through our 365 Capital Partners. Uh, but that's just 365, 365-holdings, H-O-L-D-I-N-G-S.com. Follow us there. Follow me on Twitter. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect. The uh, DMs are open. And my email address is not terribly hard to guess if anybody wants to get a hold of me. Awesome. Awesome. I think I can figure it out. Well, thanks again so much for your time today. It's a pleasure. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. 
This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.